Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob with Shut Up and Grind, where we talk about overcoming obstacles, we talk about defying the odds, and helping you clear the path to whatever is blocking you from what you want to accomplish in this lifetime. This is episode number 267, and we're going to be talking about overcoming hate and prejudice on the way to success. So, let me get the live stream up here on my phone in case there are any questions. And so if you're new to the show, as I said, we are all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds. And so everybody at some point in their life, you're going to struggle with something. It's just it's just how, how the world works. Very few people get through life unscathed without feeling any type of trauma, any type of difficulty, any type of prejudice, any type of you know sexism, racism, like all, all the isms, they're all out there. But People can have success despite, and that's what we're going to focus on today because, because again, like it's almost like driving down, down the road that's full of potholes. You know, that's what navigating life is like. There's potholes everywhere, and you have to be able to, to succeed and even thrive in spite of. So we're going to be discussing that today, and what we're going to be talking about gaining clarity, you know, so before I bring bring my guest on, it's all about clarity. I actually just spoke on someone else's podcast just before this. And that was one of the number one points that I brought up when I speak to people. It's like, what do you want to do? And they don't know. It's like, what do you want to accomplish? And they don't know. Like, where do you see yourself in five years from now? And they don't know. Honestly, that is the number one thing plaguing people in this country is just lack of clarity. Because once you're clear on what it is you want, all you need are three additional things. You just need that goal, you need drive, and you need perseverance. That's it. With those three things, you can accomplish anything no matter what life throws in your path. All right, so helping me have this conversation is Kian Z. Let me bring him in here. How you doing? Great, Robert. How are you? I am doing great, thank you. And so you are a fellow New Englander, I see, up there in Massachusetts. That's right. Awesome. Born and raised? I was. I actually grew up in Providence. Oh, all right. Then, yeah, my wife and I moved up to Massachusetts eight years ago, but we're just over the border. So Rhode yes. Islander at heart. <laughs> okay, love it, love it. Yeah, I yeah. think you would be the third Rhode Islander I've had on the show, believe it or not. And, and I'm based in Rhode Island, but I get people from all over the world. And, and I, I don't get as many people from the state I live in. It's kind of funny. That is funny. <laughs> all right. So describe, I want I want you to actually describe your upbringing for me. How would you describe it? Wow, this is interesting. Um, so I actually came over with my family when I was a little baby. Um, my mom's originally from Vietnam. And she was a refugee, so she went Vietnam to Hong Kong to UK, met my dad, and they moved over to the US, and my dad got an academic job in the US. So yeah. I grew up, had to be naturalized as a citizen, but you know, I was just a little baby. So I'm American through and through, but my yeah. parents are, you know, they both have that immigrant culture about them. So, okay. you know, in all in all respect, you can consider me first generation. And okay. I I was brought up, my family really valued education. Um, they really saw it as a means to survival, a means to make it in the world. They both come from backgrounds where there was a lot of running away. 
you know, my dad's Jewish and his grandparents had to escape the Nazis and they had to mm. flee Poland. Um, my mom's family had to flee constantly, wherever they were for political reasons. And they both had this sense of you do whatever it takes to make it. So I've got entrepreneurs yes. in my family. I've got people that, you know, were college educated. I've got people that, that made it without being college educated, but just had lots of, like you said, drive and perseverance and goals. And they followed through on yep. those goals. So I had a lot of inspiration, but it was inspiration that was intertwined with trauma and pain. Because there's a lot of war, a lot of running away, a lot of, you know, up and down poverty to making it back to poverty, back to making it and trying to survive. So I had all of that influence on me. Meanwhile, I'm growing up in the USA and I, I saw this country as like literally what a lot of immigrants see it as land of opportunity. This is a place where you can make it no matter who you are. That's the belief that we have as Americans growing up, right? That's the culture that we have and the spirit of freedom. Um, so I cared a whole lot about it. Um, but then I started learning a lot more about the world. And I was, you know, I was educated just from a very young age about like hard things that a lot of kids don't usually get exposure to, like the wars that go on around the world, the politics, yes. um, the healthcare problems that people have, the poverty problems, you know, econ economic inequity, that kind of stuff. And I just knew a lot of stuff and it, it started to really bother me inside. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what set the stage for, you know, everything that, that you know about me that, that we're going to talk about. Okay. All right. So talk to me about immigrant culture. What did you mean by that? Well, um, I'm mixed. So I've got two sides going on. So on my mom's side, her family is Chinese by blood and they were living in Vietnam. And yep. after the Vietnamese war with America, the Chinese and the Vietnamese had a conflict. So if you were Chinese blood and you lived in Vietnam, people were going to come after you and they mm. didn't care you know, who you were, what you did. They just saw you as the enemy and they were going to, they, you know, a lot of people in my family, my mom included, were, were in danger of being captured. So they had to get out. Um, and so they came, you know, to the West, they came to the UK and then the US. And there was just this sense of we're going where we need to go to find a home because our original home is now gone. We can't mm -hmm. be attached to the location of where our home is. Uh, but we're going to make a new home wherever we land. And the goal here is to find safety. Um, and on my dad's side, it's a little bit, it's a couple generations removed, but it's also similar uh, because, like I said, his grandparents had to flee Poland. Um, his grandfather changed his last name to blend in in the, in the UK and seem more English than Jewish. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that sense of you adapt your identity you adapt to the culture that's around you and the culture that's around you that you're living in is going to be different than how you grew up. It's going to be different than what you're used to. And you're going to have to adapt and figure out how to survive and fit in with the culture. Um, but it's funny because we come in and we have that attitude about the U S and the U S is so diverse and it's made up of all these different experiences. And we like in spirit as a nation, we want to be this place where, where, they, they call it the melting pot, right? Like we can talk hmm, about yeah. that. But it's more complicated than that. But we we hold it up in this country as a place where you can be yourself. You're free, you know, free to express yourself however you want. You're free to come in with whatever culture you want. We still have cultural norms, but we also have that spirit of independence. And hey, you can be whoever you want. So yes. being an immigrant in the U.S., it's just it's a really unique experience because, um, I mean, the U.S. is my home. I don't think I would feel totally at home in Europe. I don't think I would feel totally at home in Asia. 
but in the U.S., I see a place for me and I see a future for me. Okay, so what what do you see as the biggest difference between here and other places that you've lived? Well, I'll talk about the UK because everything else is secondhand. Okay. What I notice about the UK is people are more reserved. If something's going on and it's uncomfortable in the UK, people hold back. They mm-hmm. they would rather avoid talking about something than confront it head on. Uh, but in the US, there's a lot of people, not everybody, but there's a lot of people that are more than willing to honestly tell you what's on their mind. And when something's up, they tell you, they don't hold back. That's the main difference I see between those two cultures. Um, and I think extending it out to my mom's heritage and my, you know, my Chinese family, it's also similar because um, all of my my uncles, my grandparents tell me the stories of how they had to adapt to new cultures and how they had to fit in. And they mm. became very good at fitting in. But in the U.S., we don't try to fit in as hard because where do you fit in to? There's a million ways to be. It's True. less about fitting in and more about trying to be yourself. Yeah. So would you say about that people here being more apt to tell you tell you what's good? Is that are you talking more like face to face or more social media? Well, it depends on who you are, right? I think okay. like because it, like even looking at different people in the US, um, like a lot of people will say that white folks that grow up in all white communities will be more likely to hold back and not tell you the truth. People mm-hmm. who live in the city, people of color might be more more interested in telling you the truth. But then the kind the opposite is kind of true online because online you can be anonymous and you can just yeah. type out whatever you want. It doesn't even feel real. So you'll see a lot more people that would hold back in their real life start yeah. to get very vocal online, not always in a good way, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember so you're from you're from this area, so you're familiar with Providence Place Mall? Yeah. And so I was walking through with, with my daughter this one day and she and I, we, we, she's 20. Like we constantly talk about just the world and people in general and, you know, topics that trend on Twitter. And as we're walking through the mall, like Providence Place Mall is ridiculously diverse. Like you, you can find every nationality and race and whatever walking through that mall. And remember I was walking through, through with her this one day. I said, look, look around you. I was like, what do you see? And she's like, um it's like i see diversity i said yeah you know like what else do you see i'm like i'm like you don't see the crap that you see on twitter (laughs) it's like it's like most people face to face are good people they're friendly people they're accepting people it's like when you get online is where people people grow a set and whether that's their true colors or whether they're just trying to get likes because you know controversy gets likes and follows is but 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 when you're actually out here in the real world, you don't see it as much as you do online. From my perspective, what is what is your take on that? I agree. I think I'm able to have face to face conversations with people that if we were online, that chance would never exist because we would speak different languages, we'd be following different media outlets, and we'd yeah. be saying we'd be saying different things. Um, a lot of it is about politics. A lot of it is about how. If you turn on the TV, you can tell that um, you're kind of being told how to feel about certain things. You're kind of being yes. moved over to one side or the other side. And these yep. days it's gotten more polarizing than ever. But, you know, I had a guy come over because, you know, we're moving house and, and we got to get this room painted. And the guy that we hired to paint the room, we got to talking. And um, 
just or like it happened to be Easter. And he's like, you doing anything? And I said, no, my family doesn't celebrate. And he's like, why? And I, I thought I would go out on a limb. And I said, well, you know, my, my dad's non-practicing Jewish, but he doesn't do anything religious, not even holidays. And my mom was basically raised by the Communist Party of Vietnam. So that's where we're at. And we get mm-hmm. to talking and he looks me in the eye and he says, hey, China, does China want to eradicate us? Is, is that right? Like, is, is China really out for us? And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Things are getting really scary. And he said, but what about their own people who live in the U.S.? What about the Chinese people that live in America? Don't they care about their own people? And I looked him in the eye and I said, well, it's never about the people anyway, is it? When we yes. go to war, it's yes. not the people that want to go to the war with each other. It's our governments. And he, he yes. looked me in the eye and he nodded and he said, that's right. It is the governments and we don't want any of this. And yes. we found common ground on a few different topics that day. But I'm sure that if you put us in two separate rooms with, with computers in front of us and there were questions coming out like, where do you affiliate with politically? We would be on two separate sides and we yeah. would be enemies. And yeah. I don't like that because I want, I want to find connection with people. I want to find humanity with people and who they really are. I think yeah. we're defined by so much more than what our culture is trying to move us towards. But let's be honest, we have a choice in how we align ourselves. We have a choice in whether we just sit back and let whatever we're being told dictate how we act or standing up and and expressing ourselves and being bold and saying the things that might be a little uncomfortable, but are really true expressions of ourselves. Yeah. Like politics has such a stronghold in this country. It's ridiculous. And so like, I mentioned Twitter earlier. So most everything I do is motivational, inspirational. Twitter is where I go to debate because I'm I'm a debater too. So it's like, you know, when topics come up, I don't shy away from them. And I share my feelings based on my feelings. It's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a right winger. I'm not a left winger. I don't, I don't subscribe to any groups. I don't subscribe to any communities. I'm me. It's like, this is how I see the world. And so, and people will try to say, oh, well, you're this. No, 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 no. Back up. Focus on what I said. This is what I said. If you want to debate me on what I said, you can do that. But you're not going to lump me into Trump. You're not going to lump me into Biden. You're not going to lump me into BLM or whatever else. I'm like, no, I'm Robert Foster. This is my opinion on this subject. (laughs) It's like, if you want to debate me on this subject, let's do so. And, And again, to your point, when I do live debates, they always go well. You know, they go well, it's calm, and we, we search for that middle ground. Because, like, I don't debate to win. I debate to understand. You know, so, like, just like you talking about being, you know, your mom coming from communist Vietnam. I got questions about that. I have all kinds of questions about that. But, like, if you do it online, it'd be like, oh, you're being racist. You're being this. No, I don't understand. So I'm seeking to understand. I think that's what a lot of people lack in this country. If you ask a question... You know, like you had mentioned um, transphobic in your bio. Like mm-hmm. if you have a question about trans, you're instantly transphobic. I'm like, no, like I, I'm straight. So I don't understand. So if I ask a question, I'm trying to understand. But but everyone in this country is so quick to label. And that's why I think people hold back. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we have a lot of fear as people. I think anyone who, I, you talked about clarity earlier and people lacking clarity and really made me think. I think that a lot of people don't want to tell you what they really want or they don't even want to think it for themselves because yeah. they're afraid that if they really put it out there, like they're putting their heart out there, 
there's yeah. someone that's going to trample on it because those people yeah. are always out there. It's definitely not everyone. It's not even most people. But the yeah. fact that there are those people out there that are acting so hurtful and really just trying to kill other people's hope, <laughs> yeah. it makes you afraid. So, you know, like I am very open to having conversations about my cultural background. I'm very open to having conversations about my trans experience. A yeah. lot of my peers tell me, I don't want to put myself out there. And for a long time, I was like that too. I said, I, I don't want to put myself out there because what if somebody says something so hurtful to me? Now, I won't know what to say back and I'm just going to be hurt and humiliated in front of everyone. But yeah. I realized after, after a couple of years of that, I realized I can't go on doing this and doing what I want to do because if I'm afraid to be who I am because someone out there is going to be hurtful, what about all the people out there that could benefit from hearing what I have to say? What about all the people there who could be inspired and learn something new? There it is. I really want to show my heart to them. I don't care what you know or don't know. I don't care where you come from and what kind of education you've had or not had on the subject. That's not offensive if someone doesn't know, they're not part of the culture or whatever. If they're asking a question yeah. just because they're curious, that's curiosity. And we need to learn how to recognize that and distinguish that genuine curiosity from the bullying and, and the aggressiveness. Like they are two different things. Yes. And that can be tricky sometimes, but we have to put ourselves out there and start yeah, see, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said that. I, I've actually done several shows on the difference between racist and curious. Because like someone, I saw someone on I saw a video where um it was actually here in in Rhode Island. Someone lived in East Greenwich. It was a, a an Uber driver. The Uber driver, no, yeah, the Uber driver was white and he picked up a black person. And I, I guess the the guy had a beautiful house in East Greenwich. Mm. And the guy the guy was like, wow. He's like, what do you do for work? And the person took offense to it. Mm. You know, I, I was like, all right, if you flip flopped it, you know, and the driver was black and the passenger was white and you rolled up to the house and like, wow, what do you do for work? Like that wouldn't have been perceived the same way. No, you know, it, it's like it, it's just it's just an honest question. Like if I saw I have um some of my fitness clients where my old gym was, it was in a pretty rich part of Rhode Island, it's in Western Cranston. I think it's the third richest oh, yeah. part, part mm -hmm. of the state. So we were going through Alpine Estates to go trick-or-treating with, with the kids. And so we get to this one big, beautiful house and they open the door and it's what one of my gym clients. I was like, damn, I was like, I didn't know you had it like this. I was like, what do you guys do for work? That That's total curiosity. You know, like that's not anything to do with race or hate or envy or anything. It's just like, wow. It's like I knew, I knew you. You know, you rolled up in a Lexus, but I didn't know you had a house like this. That's like a mini mansion. And and um, going back to what you were saying, like people people are afraid of be of someone saying something hurtful, right? And I'll use another quick example, and then I'll turn it back to you. So I was speaking on someone else's show. They have a YouTube channel. And she asked me, she's like, Rob, what would you do if someone said the N-word to you? And I said, nothing. And she's like, you wouldn't do anything? I'm like, no. I said, that's like being in a fight and you take someone's best punch and then you smile at them. They got nothing left. It's like when, when people mm. use when people use that slur, they use it to get a reaction. So if you don't give them the reaction, they have nothing left in the arsenal. Like that's their haymaker, you know? So it's like, I speak what I have to speak. And if people want to insult me, I I'm like, you're only insulting me because you know I'm right. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. 
Yeah, so that's the be- that's the best thing they have to offer, and that. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think it's true. People that want to start a fight, people who are going into a conversation with aggression, they are expecting to get back what they're putting out. And if, yes. you, if you give it back to them, you're not going to win. You're just going to create more and more drama exactly. and more and more fighting. If, if you yep. just observe what they're saying, you can walk away. You can say nothing. You can choose to be a person that doesn't want to engage because you understand where that's coming from. And yeah. that you don't want that part of your life. Like, and that's hard. But yeah. I mean, I think the only way we're going to ever get anywhere is if we slow down and feel into how, like, how we receive when other people try to do that to us. Because they're not, it's almost like they're crying out for something. It's almost like they're crying out for something. And they think that they'll get what they want if they get a reaction back from you, they'll feel like, you know, self-assured, whatever they'll get gratification out of the fight, whatever, but they might be really looking for something else in that. And it may not be something you can give to them, but people look for humanity. People look for validation and love, and they don't know how to find it. So they'll go around attacking other people, but it's never about if that's happening to you, it's never about you. It's always about them and what they're looking for and what they can't find. And what they think that they can get out of you, but they have to go looking inside themselves. Like whatever they're attacking you about, they have to go and look at themselves in their own hearts because they're not happy. And that's yes. that's the end of it. It's like how, you can't convince them with logic that they're wrong. They don't they don't want that. They they want to feel like they're valid. They want to feel like their their heart and their feelings are valid. Um, yep. I'm trying to get that out of fight. Uh, if if people fight with them, they'll learn that they can do that. If people don't fight back. If people just walk away or smile and look them in the eye and mm-hmm. show up as a human, they'll realize, you know, maybe my approach is not working the way I thought it would. And maybe I should start to act differently. Yes. We can't control other people. You know, we can just show up as exactly. the that we want to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because like, I'm not going to act like I haven't had people make comments to me and stuff, but I've never ever given them control over my emotions never you know now now has it happened often no like and i grew up in a predominant white area so like whenever i hear all this stuff about about white supremacy and everything else i'm like i, I grew up in a predominant white area i was captain of my sports teams i was a manager at a young age managing an entire white staff i became a general manager at 19 and just went right down the list so so it's like you know sometimes i think things happen mm. and, and and i'm not trying to negate that Bad things do happen. Bad things definitely mm. happen. But I just think sometimes things don't go someone's way and they need something to point to, you know, instead of yeah. pointing, instead of pointing inward. Like an example I used, um, are you familiar with Greg's restaurant here yep. in Rhode Island? Mm-hmm. So I remember I applied at Greg. This is probably like 20 years ago. Now, my name is Robert Foster, right? I have a very common American name. You know, like my name isn't like, you know, Daoud or anything. Right. So, right. so as, and, and I speak proper English. So I remember I had the phone interview and then I, I go for the in-person interview and I walk in, I wait a couple of minutes. I see the manager coming around the corner and she paused for a second. And I know what that pause meant. Like she, she was not expecting to see me. Right. And so, and it was probably the fastest interview I've ever had. And like, she clearly mm. didn't want me. Mm. and so what what did i do i took my resume and i went to the next place and i ended up working at that next place for i want to say six years you know what i mean so it's like 
like you can't make someone like you. So if I called the news, if I tried to out her or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever else, and now and this is just this is just me. Like right. this is how I handle things. And so it's like, all right, next opportunity, next opportunity. All right, there it is. That's my opportunity. It's like I'm not gonna sit there and like like why am I gonna go and try try and cause a stir? Like people who have hate in their heart, the hate's in their heart. Like it doesn't matter what you do to if if I go and beat somebody up, they're still they're still gonna hate me probably even more now because I just beat them up. Like it's not yeah. gonna fix anything. You know, it's like take your goal and just do what you have to do. Go to as many applications, fill out as many applications as you have to, to land a job where they will accept you in in a place where you can thrive. Right. You got to go where they welcome you with open arms and then yeah. nurture those relationships. Don't spend your time trying to make relationships with people that, that say they don't want you. Because yes. the, the thing is, we show people how to treat us. We, yeah. we set the bar. Bingo. And we set the bar for the quality of relationships that we're going to have, you know, work, business, family, it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. when we're spending time trying to prove to other people that they should accept us, we're taking that time away from people that really already do accept us. And we don't have to do that work. They already get it. And yep. we can start from that place, right? You either start from here where they don't like you and try to prove to them that they should like you. That, that could take forever. And you'll yeah. probably only get up to here. Or you can start mm-hmm. up here where people already like you and just get stronger from there. And yes. you can have a bigger impact that way. It's really like these days is really challenging because everything you hear is hate these days. Everything you hear on the news, on the yeah. internet, it's so easy to find. Like, I don't know if it's more than usual or we just notice it more, but there is a lot of hate out there being expressed and yeah. it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to hold back and say, you know what, this is, this is, this world is not welcoming to me. I, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm facing too much. And all of that is real. Like there are really people that have hate in their hearts and are making these kinds of decisions. And there really are these beliefs that, that overshadow our society and hold us back. But at the same time, you know, for me, I want to make that even more of a reason to stick to my goals because I'm here teaching other people how to be human. I'm here teaching other people how to raise that bar and treat, treat themselves right and treat other people right. If they don't know how, they can learn. But I'm not going to try yeah. to prove to them that, that they should accept me. You know, they'll listen to me because they're looking for something and they'll find humanity here. They'll find courage here and they'll find love. Yes. Yeah, like one thing my dad said, you know, God rest his soul. He said when, when we were young, he said, people will see the color of your skin. He's like, it's up to you to help them see past it. You know, mm. that's just something that that I've I've never forgotten. You know, mm. it's like I've I've walked into rooms before. Like case in point, I went to a networking event, and now I'm a gym owner, so like I typically have have a tank top on in my shoes. But like I was on somebody else's show, so I had the sleeves on, no out of respect. And so, but I go to this networking event. Everybody in there had suits on. You know, there was one other brown skin guy and everybody else was, was was white people but i walked in in my my gym gear because again I'm, I'm a fitness coach and i'm an athlete so like if you're talking about being your authentic self for me that's my authentic self like this is what i wear day in and day out you know if i had a corporate job where i wore a suit every day i would show up in a suit like that's my authentic self but i walked into this room and you could cut the judgment with a knife you know, the, you could you could just tell the people, you know, mm. looking at me and whispering to each other and like like this dude rolled up in here with a sweatsuit on. And by the end of that meeting, everybody wanted my contact info, you know, because I helped them see past that. 
you know, and, and like, and my dad's saying that stuff. I'm like, if, if you're going to sit there and try to eradicate racism, you're going to stress yourself out and you're going to die a young death because, <laughs> because there's, there, it's, it's a cost center now. It's a cost mm-hmm. center. Too many people mm-hmm. make money off of the divide. So the, so the right. divide is never going to go away because people are mm. making Al Sharpton, you me? Al Sharpton would be out of a job if racism went away. It'd be absolutely out of a job. The NAACP would lose all of their funding if it went away. Like it's it it sounds good to say on the surface, but once right. politics infiltrates anything, it's here to stay. You know, it's here to stay. Yeah, I mean it's I mean the thing is like brutality, which is really at the heart of that, like brutality, like a fear that comes out of a need to survive, that's been with us since the beginning. And it has been there in the ancient civilizations, through the Middle Ages, to an extreme, through yeah. everything we really know. And if we're just going to say, let's end racism now, it's, yeah, it's really being unrealistic because we have all this embedded deep in us, really deep. Yeah. I've heard people say that it's going to take 10 or 12 more generations. If there's hope for ending racism, give it yeah. 10 or 12 generations. It's not going to happen in our lifetime. Nope. Nope, not our lifetime, not my kids' lifetime, not probably my grandkids' lifetime. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen because right. again, like I think I think back to when I first voted. So I'm 48 now. So so it was 30 years ago when I was 18 when I first voted, and it's the same talking points now, with the exception of the trans movement. Like that's that's mm. what's different now from 30 years ago, and. But it's the same talking points about healthcare, the Second Amendment, abortion rights. Yeah. It, it's the exact same mm-hmm. stuff. Like no one's ever gonna fix it because if you just yeah. fix it, then the talking points aren't gonna be there. Then the papers are gonna aren't gonna have enough to write about. There's not gonna be enough likes and shares on oh, social media. Yeah, we love media. it, don't we? We love yeah. it all. <laughs> yeah, there, there's we not gonna it. be any protests. There's not gonna be yeah. any rallies. So they're never yeah. gonna fix it. They're, they're just gonna yeah. keep fanning the flames to make think- the money. What I tell people when um, when they are shocked or or um, really um, taken aback by the stuff that goes on today, I say go and read newspapers from the seventies and eighties on the same topic. Yes. What are they talking about? It's the same exact thing. It's always yep. been here. It just it it may slightly change shape, but really only slightly. When you when you see how far back that goes, you see the gravity of it, and you see, wow, why didn't I notice that? Yep. See, I think I have a graphic. I think I have a graphic on here. Yeah, so this is Malcolm X. This is 60 years ago, where he says the media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and make the guilty innocent. That's power because they control the minds of the masses. Mm -hmm. And this was before the internet. This was before social media. And And just imagine... What's happening now, now that we have Twitter and we have Facebook and and all this other stuff, like that's what it's about. It's about controlling the minds of the population. Like they're never going to fix any of this stuff because as long as they keep us fighting, they maintain power. The last Mm -hmm. thing the politicians want is for us to unite because then we're going to realize we don't need them. Exactly. (laughs) So it's never going to happen, unfortunately. (laughs) All right, so let's let's shift gear because I feel we can talk about this all day. But um, all right, so shift shift gears to your business. So how how did you get that going, and what exactly do you do? I really just launched about a month ago with this new iteration of business, and I really care about helping entrepreneurs, people who are making money. Yeah, they own their own businesses. They might have a team, but they've got something really solid, 
and they want to turn it into something that's going to benefit the community better. They want yeah. to do something beyond the traditional business model. And these people are usually really healing minded. It is mostly women leaders because I feel like that's that's the future of business, honestly, is to have more women showing up and leading. Um, yeah. But culturally, you know, these people are fighting against a lot because they're being told that business has to be, you know, really stodgy and strict and even cold. And they say, I want to do this in a heart centered way. I want to do this in a way that cares about people. Um, so yes. some people are saying, some people that I work with are saying, I don't want to hire wage workers. I want to share my profits and I want to make people the owners. I want to share ownership with the people that work in the business. So the people that create the value can own a piece and grow with the business instead of being confined to whatever wage they're getting paid. Um, and I'm sitting with them and I'm talking with them saying, well, financially, how's this going to work? Because you have to do the math. And this is something they say, whoa, you know. I was always told that I was bad at math. You know, I'm all about the heart. I'm all about the people. And that's how I succeeded. How do I really calculate to how to make this work? Because everyone always tells me that's just pie in the sky. That's just idealistic. Well, there is a way to make it work, but you've got to do the math. You've got to know what money's coming in and out and make decisions about that. So that's the kind of support that I give. And um, yeah, I, I absolutely love my clients. My clients really care about making a difference. They, they, you know, like you said, you know, they're not just listening to what they're supposed to think politically. Like they're not just aligning with, um, with a small narrative that's given out by the media, but they're always challenging what the media is telling them and what society is telling them and showing up as leaders. So I just love to support that and see that happen and keep on nurturing, you know, their ability to connect to the right people and to stand up and say, you know what, these are my goals. This is what I want, and I'm not going to negotiate. If you try to cut me down or try to pay me less than I deserve, the answer is no. You pay me what what I know my work is worth, and let's keep on going that way. And it really works. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. See, and, and to piggyback on what you said, ask questions. You know, absolutely ask questions. Like my last couple couple of Twitter posts were about that. Like question everything. You know, yeah. question everything. And because because, again, people are so so afraid, afraid to question stuff like they don't want to question their boss. Like, well, what if well, what if he gets mad at me? I said, yeah, but if you feel a certain way, your boss needs to know. It's like mm -hmm. you have to you have to go and say, hey, you, you know, X, Y, Z. This is this is how I'm feeling. Let them know if you don't understand something. Ask, you know, regardless right. if it's controversial, because if you're talking about it, you're obviously thinking about it. Because like like for me, I, I, I seek to understand. You know, it's like it's like I don't ask things to upset someone or or whatever else. Like I sh shared a story the other day, so I'm bald now. But back in the day, I had had a little afro, you know. And as I said earlier, I grew up in a predominant white area, and so they didn't they don't see hair like mine, you know. So people would would ask like, you know, can can I touch it? You know, like in some some people, you know, I've seen seen videos where people think that's like the most racist thing you can do, and it's like they don't see it. So it's like, yeah, go ahead. No harm, no foul. And then on the flip side to that, it's the same thing with us. When you see like the really, really straight hair on white girls, and it's like, what does that feel like? <laughs> it's curiosity. That's not racist. That's curious. And so, so sometimes I think we, I think we conflate the two because like if you don't understand something and you ask a question, that's not coming from a place of hatred. Hmm. I see, uh, I see your facial expressions. Do you a little disagree? Bit. Well, my thought is okay. that. What really matters is how conscious you are of your own feelings, how conscious you mm -hmm. are of your own thoughts. I think that 
I've seen situations where people carry attitudes and it comes out in what they say. Even the words, the words don't change, but the feeling changes. And there's, I, I just noticed, like, let's use work as an example. Sometimes I have people asking me for things at work. And yeah. other times I have people demanding things of me at work. And, you know, they, they, um, they say certain things. And in somewhere in their voice is that sense and feeling like, I'm entitled to this and you need to just give it to me. I'm not going to ask you. I'm just going to tell you what I need and I expect you to do it. And I get that feeling. I don't know if this person really sees me as a person. And mm -hmm. here's the thing. That person has no idea that this is going on. They, they're not like if you if you said, hey, you know, like that's not cool how you're treating me. They'd be like, what? What are you talking about? If you really, really dug, they might be going like through some stress and they truly wouldn't have the space or the time or energy to see somebody else as human. They just want to get the job done. And yeah. in that, they're losing a sense of seeing that person as a human being. What happens in that moment, if I'm the one noticing it, I'm the one that's conscious. Now it's up to me to stand up for myself and teach them yeah. how to be human and how to see me as a human. Whether they do or not, it's none of my business, but yeah. I at least know who I am. And I think a lot of that can can make these really subtle shifts in how you experience what other people say. Because I think that sometimes when people ask questions that are not, they don't have the full education or the full knowledge, they are not fully conscious of the impact that they have on others, that they carry with them in their lives. They're like very subtle and silent judgments that really they're not theirs. They were programmed into their heads, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're given a message every day, that a certain group of people is not fully human and you don't truly believe that, but you'll still be influenced by it because you're not totally conscious. It yeah. will come out in the words you say, it will come out in the questions you ask and it will have an impact on people. But once you start being conscious of it, then the approach can change and the energy can change and the feeling of it changes. Yeah. But usually that only starts when the other person is willing to stand up and say, you know, I honor my own humanity and I'm going to learn to love myself no matter what. Whatever you say to me, I, I'm not going to get too reactive about it. I'm not going to put too much energy into it. I can be upset, yeah. but I also understand this is not really about me. I know yeah. who I am. So yeah, like, okay, oh, good. You know? Yeah, it's like I don't disagree at all. I don't, I don't disagree at all. But there's four... There's four main personality traits, well, personality types, I should say. Like I'm actually a, uh, I'm a certified facilitator in um, the, the True Colors model, which all of the personality assessments, they're all the same, whether you do Myers-Briggs or the animal test or True Colors, like they're all the same. But there's leaders, doers, thinkers, feelers. You know, so I think, I think it, it depends. I think it depends on the person as to what you're saying. Because like, someone who's a doer, they're very spontaneous. They're very just, they just speak. Know what I mean? It's like they may not necessarily think it as deeply through as you just articulated. Because for someone like like me, I'm a hair person, right? I I like hair, and so I'll give you this example. One of my fitness clients, like she's she, like she's small, she's Irish, but she's got really curly hair, right? So this one day, I put my arm around her and I was like, "Sister, are you sure somewhere in your genealogy there isn't some ethnicity? <laughs> I was like, because she doesn't have, like, I know a lot of Irish girls. I've never seen an Irish girl with curls that tight, you know? And and again, it was genuine curiosity because I've never seen it. 
And um, and but but like my personality is very playful, cause like cause mm-hmm. I'm that I'm that second category, like like I'm that doer. I'm very I'm very playful. I tend to speak, you know, before I think, <laughs> but like my words are never meant, I'm never meant to insult or you know to to hurt someone. It's just like a genuine curiosity. I'm like she can't be fully Irish, like she can't be, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and but I don't know if I don't ask. It's like that. That's just that's just my take on it. But just you know, I and I know then there's other people who are in that thinker feeler category, who might who might take offense to it because they're gonna think deeper into the sentence. Like, why is he asking me that? What does he mean by that? So so going based on what you were saying, that I think that I believe that's called unconscious bias. It right. it does it does go both ways though, you know, because mm-hmm. like I could be asking completely innocently. But you're taking it that I'm coming from from a All different right. place that I'm not. If I if I may get concrete, let me get concrete with this from my own experience. I'm trans. Some people ask me, "Have you had the surgery?" That's a very popular question. It's yeah. a very like we consider it a very offensive question because it's it's very personal. Yeah. But I have the right to say no if I want to, oh, and yeah, if I course. know that deeply, the other person can ask out of curiosity, whatever curiosity or no filter, whatever it is, and I yeah. can say, "I don't really want to talk about that." And that's yeah. that, you know, mm-hmm. alternatively, I could get really angry, but if I got really angry every time somebody asked me a question like that, I'd be angry my whole life. So it's exactly. really just a personal choice as to, you know, how I want to operate, but people yeah. do get curious. People do get curious when they don't know things and they, and they ask because they don't know who else to ask. I think that's exactly. just something you got to accept, you know? Yeah. yeah Cause for, for me, like I would rather ask you than to start asking behind your back. You know, like, hey, hey, did, did so-and-so have the surgery? Hey, did so-and-so have the And th- then it gets back to you that I've been asking people in your circle. I, I think that's even worse. Then I'd rather I, like, be asked directly myself. Yeah, like, if, if I come also, come to you funny, and you're you know? like, yeah, yeah and if, you, if you're like, yo, that's off limits. Oh, my bad. Then now, at least now I know it's off limits, you know, and I right. wouldn't go there. <laughs> but it's on a rare occasion, people push, and that's when things get aggressive, and then you know yeah. what's really in their heart. There is a yeah. difference. Like I said, it's a subtle difference between curiosity they don't know versus yeah. aggression yeah you know yeah no There's, i agree yeah. with that yeah see and, and and i'm actually i'm actually glad that that we that we discussed this because again i i'm someone i i, I would ask you know i, I was like i don't want to out them but someone in my family is is dating a trans woman and when they told me that was my first question <laughs> i said how trans <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, it, it was it was just sheer curiosity, you know, and I, I think the only way we're going to have this breakthrough right now around trans issues is to start just talking openly, however we can with the people that we can with. Like, I yeah. just think that, like, I want to put myself out there as someone that you can talk to and ask questions. Like, if you're only curious, if you're not trying to be aggressive and you're just curious ask away. I don't care what words you use or anything. I think that's the only way we're going to have a breakthrough. Because if we keep holding back and and cloistering ourselves off, we're just going to have the same problems over and over again that come out of a place of ignorance and not knowing. People need to understand what's going on. You know, understand the experiences that we have. And we cannot be more like, there's always resources out there, but not everybody feels like they can access those resources. Sometimes we need that face-to-face conversation. Well, I was gonna say, and you know, what you read isn't always factual. 
Like, exactly. like, like we have to understand that, like the, the government and and I have no problem saying this on the record, the government will distort science to fit their narrative. So it's like I would rather go to the source and be like, hey, yeah. is this true? And if, if that's off, like, OK, all right, my bad. Like just how before we even came on here, like, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Like if if right. something's off limits, tell me and we won't go there. But if if you give me the green light. you know don't be offended by anything i ask you (laughs) well i know your intentions and i know your heart so that's all i need to know yeah yeah because like because honestly when it comes to to any issue like i almost i almost posted earlier today where i was going to just go right down the list like no white people are people you know black people are people trans people are people gay people are, are people and just go right down the list jewish people are people what do we all have in common we're all people you know, it's like we're all people. So once we once we let that sink in and stop stop poking at all all the differences and like let's get back to a place like when I was a kid where di- where we could make fun of the differences without it being offensive. You know, like like that's what comedy used to be. It was like we could we could talk about, you know, black people having bigger lips and eating chicken and, and we laughed about it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like now people get canceled over it. And it's like you know the differences aren't going to go away, so let's just have let's just have some fun. Like, why is everybody going to be so uptight about everything? And and this is across the board. You know, I'm not t- talking about what we would ju- we were just discussing. This is across the board. It's like if um you know you make a joke about by the woman now you're misogynist and you're you're bigoted and you're and like no it's just funny like it was a blonde joke it's funny it's like thirty years ago we just laughed <laughs> it's like why am I getting canceled now it's like come on I think we have to push on things and get honest and we have to call each other to be more honest about why why did that bother us why did that make you uncomfortable because there's always a real reason and the reason is somewhere in our world somewhere in our life. But if we don't get to the heart of it, we're going to say, oh, you're canceled and then stop there. Then there's no more dialogue. There's yeah. no more openness and our hearts just shut down. Yeah, I think it, so I think, gotta push push hearts, it, I think it's two reasons. It's two reasons. There's fear and it's insecurity. You know, it's, it's like someone says something and you must have some type of insecurity in there is why you're you're getting upset. Like. When, when I said earlier, when I was on that show, and she's like, you know, what would you do if someone called you the N-word? Like, nothing. Like, I was like, I took away the power of from that word decades ago. You know, decades ago. So to me, it's just like, an, it, it's another word. It means nothing to me. It's not offensive to me because I chose for it not to be. You know, if somebody else takes it to heart, they have that right. It's like, I'm not going to tell them you can't feel that way. It's like, I think that's the problem with our society now. If one person is offended, they think everyone should be offended. And like, mm. like back, like back in 2020, when when that when everything happened with George Floyd and the riots and everything, and and people were coming to me like, Rob, you have a platform, you should be speaking out. Like, I don't want to. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm not right. obligated to do anything. Mm. You know, it's like, like I have my opinions when the right. time is when the time is right, I'll put out my opinions. But for me, I'm not impulsive. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. not. I don't respond emotionally. I said, I said, there's something missing from that tape. I was like, the end result is was despicable, and Chauvin should burn for that. I said, but I know there's more to this story. I said, so I'm not going to speak out until I get the rest of the story. Well, we're afraid to go there. We're afraid to yeah. really go there because the more that the layers get, we have to look at a situation honestly. Yes. And the fear is that someone's going to take it and take it to the extreme and do more harm. Yeah. We don't feel safe to look at the situation 
in its completeness. Yeah. Because the thing is, nobody is an angel here. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, and, and to try to paint somebody as a hero and somebody else as a villain is really oversimplifying things. What's going on is layers and layers and layers, many different relationships going on, things that go through our whole society and even into our personal lives. And if yeah. we're not ready to open up about that and say like, okay, how do I really feel looking at this? It's heartbreaking yeah. because like there were events that led up to that happening. But if we're not willing to look at everything and feel all the pain that comes up, how are we going to move past it? We're just going to fight. We're just going to, we're just going to jump on whatever we're being told to feel and without accessing our own feelings. So it makes Bingo. things really complicated. Cause like just recently, um, you know, there was a school shooting in Nashville and the shooter was a trans guy. Yeah. And like, it, it freaked me out because I'm like, this like this is heartbreaking because now what are they gonna do? They're gonna they're gonna say that trans people are terrorists. Like then and now we have to fight to prove that we're not. Like what's this gonna be all about? And I think that we have to look at the realities that it's never pretty. It's never ever pretty. There's always gonna be somebody that holds up that bad image, and then there's all of us being honest humans. Yeah. And for us to feel that pressure that we have to show things a certain way or talk about the right topics at the exact right time and say the right things because because yeah. we represent the whole community that we're part of now we're missing out on a chance to be who we really are and show how we really feel so, so it's, it's you're preaching to, you're preaching to the choir <laughs> <laughs> like someone listening might learn it's something like, think, it's like we've know? dealt with i've dealt with that my entire life you know, you walk you walk into a convenience store and all eyes are on you because what do you see on the news you know most of the people committing crimes are people that look like me so it's like you know i i walk into a store and it's like you see them looking down the aisles or just kind of you know, nonchalantly passing by. It was like, I've dealt, I've, I've dealt with all that. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's part of it. But again, it's one of those things that's not going to go away, but you mm. hit the nail on the head because it happens. It happens. It's been happening to us forever is, you know, someone commits a crime and then people get scared walking by, by me. Like I, like I, I don't like killing friggin' sp uh, bugs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I haven't been a fighting day in my life. It's like, like I'm probably like the least intimidating person ever. But it's people only know what they know, and then they only know what they see on TV and the news. You know, so so this this you know my my thing with that Nashville shooting was the fact that the media spent so much time on the mental health of the shooter that they just dismissed the fact that he killed six people. You know, regardless of the fact that they were Christian, I mean, take the trans out of it, take the, mm -hmm. take the religion out of it. Mm -hmm. This person killed six people. Right. <laughs> I'm like, can we, like, can why we, are we feel that for a second? Yeah. Just feel the gravity of that, you know, exactly. You know, it's, it's like, like take out the political ideologies. Like th this really has like this person killed six other people. L like I said earlier, what do we all have in common? We're all people. And we gotta once politics infiltrates anything, you know, the, the real reality of it gets stripped away. Like there's six families who at seven, if you include the shooter, there's seven mm -hmm. families who are greeting grieving right now. You know, like and that's a real problem. And you guys want to turn it into a political thing because we have an election coming up next year. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, scary. I know. Oh my yeah, God. I do but, think that, yeah, all this is just, it's a distraction from looking inside our hearts. Yes, exactly. 
Exactly. All right. So let people know where, where, where they can find you. If you have anything going on in your business that you want to share, feel free to share. Sure we'll thing. Healing, uh, healingthesystem.com for entrepreneurs with a heart for social change. And uh, you can find me on Facebook, KNZ Official. Those two links that are right there. So. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the links are in the description um, section. This, this is a solid conversation. See, and, and more conversations like this need, need to happen because like we didn't agree on everything, but it, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it never it never got it never got out of control. You know, and that's what people don't understand. Like we don't like you, when you go into a into a debate, you don't have to leave the debate high fiving and chest bumping like mm -hmm. but but you also don't have to leave it at war with each other. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. And a simple example that I use with people, like you can take the word vacation and that's going to mean a hundred different things to a hundred different people. You know, for some people it's just staying home and relaxing. For some people it's going to the beach. Some people it's going on an adventure excursion. Some people it's going on a cruise, so on and so forth. So it's like differing opinions is okay. And even when it comes to social things, it's like, you know, like people can be pro-choice. People can be pro-life. At the end of the day, we're all still people. It's like you don't have to hate each other because you have different political ideologies. And so having conversations like the one we just had today, this is helpful. This is helpful. It's like, like I learned a lot from, from you. You know, I hope you picked up some things from me. And that's how society as a whole is going to move forward is by having these rational conversations and don't listen to respond, listen to understand, mm. right? Give, give us some final words. Love it. Yeah. Let's connect as people. Uh, let's, let's try to connect heart to heart and, and learn who the other person is behind all of the labels and everything else. No matter Absolutely. who you are, we, can, we all can always do that. Love it. All right. Don't don't sign, sign off because I'm I want to talk to you when, when we go off the air. If that's all, all right. right. Thank you. All right. So thank you very much for joining. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for diving in, into these deep conversations. And uh, we're definitely going to cross cross paths again. All right. I'll see you in a minute. All right. All right. See ya. All right. So that that was Kian Z. And if you didn't catch this whole episode, make sure make sure you go back because when you're talking about about things that's going on out there in, in society, just go to TikTok or YouTube Shorts or Twitter, and you'll just see it turns into an absolute shit show. So the fact that we were able to have, have this conversation, and again, we didn't agree on every single topic, which is fine. That's life. But the conversation was good. It was productive, and it was informative. So go back, watch the whole thing. We went a little longer than normal, but I think that the conversation was important enough for us to have it. And I'll be back again on Thursday with Iman Gadi, and we'll be having another great conversation. So I will see you on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.